Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryville.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn in them to the book of Acts chapter 4. As you're turning there, let's talk trunks. Now, I'm not talking tree trunks. We're not talking car trunks. We're talking more like storage trunks, kind of like this storage trunk that I have here this morning. What do we use trunks for? What do we use them for? Typically, people use them to do what? You store things in them. You want to hold things in your trunk, things maybe that are precious, things you want to preserve to keep safely for some long time. By the end of our time together, my prayer is that, and my hope is that in this box, in this treasure box here, will be a bunch of love that we all have for this church. We're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. Does anyone here, does anyone have a hope chest? Maybe you gave somebody a hope chest and they're holding it for you, or you have one from somebody else that you're holding on to. You're keeping it for them. Maybe you didn't have an actual hope chest, but you did have something precious, something you wanted to save, something you wanted to pass down from generation to generation. And these treasures for you, you want to hang on to them. And why do we hang on to them? Because we want to be hoarders, right? No, that's not why we hang on to these things. At least I pray that's not why you're keeping those things around. Why do we hang on to them? It's because we know that, or at least we hope that as time goes on, these precious items, that they might mean something, they might be worth something. But they might mean something to those that are coming along behind us. Perhaps our children, or our grandchildren, or even our great-grandchildren. Maybe you hang on to them because you think, hey, there's value in this. And maybe someday that'll skyrocket. And this might be a valuable item to somebody in our lives. And maybe someday, maybe it'll even be on one of those antique roadshow TV programs, right? Where your kids will come out and say, hey, look what I found from Grandpa. Or maybe it's just because it's great-grandma's change purse. And it comes with some kind of story attached to it because she was making a new life for the family in the land of opportunity. And that was her purse when she came across on that boat. But regardless of the reason, it is being saved because what? It holds hope. It holds promise. It holds memories and values for the future. And to put it in a box, a box for keeping, for a time being, for safekeeping, is a sacrifice. You can't use it right now because you want it available. You want it for someone else to have, someone else to hold on to in the future. And church, that's exactly the concept that we saw being played out in the early church of Jesus Christ. And it's one very serious way that we get to love this church. Please stand in honor of reading God's word. We'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 32 through 35 this morning. It says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your word, for it is truth. 
Lord, as we look at this first church in this book of Acts, we just see that they loved each other so much that they made so many sacrifices to make sure that all the needs of the people were met. What a model for us as a church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we go through this message this morning, that we'll understand some things that maybe we can do, maybe a little bit differently than what we've done in the past, to allow us to meet the needs of your people, of your children. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your working in our lives and in our hearts and in your church. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. When we read the passage there, it's amazing how when it comes to the possessions that they had, this first church, they knew how to help one another. They knew what it was to love one another. It makes me wonder how long it was, how long it took before someone came along and they decided, well, I need to hang on to my stuff. I mean, I, I work too hard for it. And for me just to give it away, to give it to someone else without getting anything back, anything in return, I just don't want to do it. I wonder if when we start holding on tightly to our bank accounts, start skimping or altogether neglecting our tithes and offerings to the Lord, it makes me wonder, is this what we sound like with our money and our stuff? Is this you? Watch this short video. Mine, mine, mine. You all remember that movie, right? Mine, mine, mine. I wonder if sometimes if that's not exactly what we sound like to God when we start talking about or how we think we should use or control our own money in this world. I know as kids, when we're growing up, right, we have this mindset built into us. We see it all the time. You kids, when you get a toy at Christmas, what do you first say? Somebody says, can I play with that? You're like, no, it's mine. You can't play with it. I just got this. It's mine, mine, mine. It's all mine. You see, we don't naturally know how to share, how to live in community the way that God has designed it to be. But the more important question is this, do we ever outgrow that? Do we, as adults, do we still fall into this category? Do we have a much different mindset than what biblically our minds, what it needs to be about when it comes to our stuff, our things, and our money, our finances, and our possessions? If truth be told, there's many that never overcome this mine, mine, mine mentality. If truth be told, there's many. And I suspect there's some here today. That's you. And it fits you to a T. And it's, it's, see, it's evidenced by your support for the church. Or, or maybe it's your lack of support for God's church. Let's see what we can learn. There's so many things we can learn from this first century church when it comes to what your giving says. What's your pattern? What's your habit? What's your heart for giving when giving? What it says about your heart for God, your heart for his church, and your heart for his people. First thing that we learn is this. This is what we learn from that first church. First thing, you must release your grip. Look with me again at verse 32. This is in Acts here. It says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. It's telling us here that this first church, that they had what I would call a loose grip. Now... There's some that are going to say, oh, yeah, of course, they could have a loose grip. They really didn't have much stuff back then. They had so little compared to what I have right now. It was easy for them to do that. Really. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Look with me at Acts chapter 5. Look at their story. Start in verse 1 here. It says, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? So what we see here is we see Peter, he challenges Ananias. And what did he say? Why has Satan filled your heart? Let's continue on now in verse 4. 
says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Ouch, right? Peter says, you know, it's bad enough that you lied to me and you lied to man. But not only that, what's worse is you lied to God. You lied to him. Let's continue on. Verse 5. Look what it says. It says, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. So, because of Ananias, because of his mind, mind, mind mentality, he was confronted. God confronted him with Peter and he dropped dead. Then later on we see that Peter, he confronts Sapphira. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. It says, And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. Wow. I mean, church, I I hope that you see it's clear here that when dealing with finances with respect to God, that it's simply not the place to be making excuses for being seagulls, for being mine, mine, mine people. Because I know, and I believe most of us know this, but I think there's some that fail to practice this. But the truth is what? We know that what we have, it's not ours. It never was. What we have is God's. It's all God's. And it's just kind of like we're the bank holding on to it, using it, and he's investing in us while we hear God invests in us to use us in hopes that he sees what? A good return on his investment. And his measure of that good return, what is it? It's how we do what? How we love others with what he has given to us. Church, friends, I challenge you. You need to release your grip. Get rid of that mine, mine, mine mentality. Look, this is a hard sermon for me to hear, just as it is for you, trust me. You see, this isn't a simple message that most people give. You say, okay, you need to give to the church. We need money. God tells you to tie this and this and that and that. This isn't that simple message. It isn't a standard giving message at all. Those folks grumble about, I mean, you guys know how it typically goes, right? Well, can you believe it? Every time I go into that church, all they do is they talk about money. All they want is my money, 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 money. They don't really care about me. I mean, you hear that, don't you? I hear it. So before you go on thinking, this is another one of those types of messages. Understand. That's not at all, not at all what this passage is teaching. That's not at all today what I am preaching in this message. It would be far easier for me to say, okay, friends, we are supposed to give to the needs of the church. Give it all to the church. And I tell you what, let's just give it all to the church, and we'll just kind of be a clearinghouse for all of your money, your bills, and et cetera. We'll just pay all this for you. We'll be that clearinghouse, kind of like those representative pay programs that they have out there now. We'll collect all your money. We'll pay your bills. And, of course, we're going to keep some for administrative costs to cover our overhead. But the truth is this, that that first church, they didn't demonstrate their love by giving to this corporate entity called the church. They loved, but it was sharing everything with one another. They gave it to the personal entity, which was the people, the church. And though the apostles were helping with distribution, it's clear that when we look at this, they weren't maintaining lawns, they weren't purchasing curriculum for the people. And just let me say this here, there is nothing in the world wrong, okay, with buying curriculum and maintaining the lawns of the church. The fault comes when we fail to meet the needs of the people because of the lawns and because of the curriculum. So first, my challenge to you today, release your grip. Then second, after you release your grip, you must tighten your belt. What does that look like? Am I talking about the belt around your pants? 
not necessarily unless you're overdoing it on food, then, then perhaps it is an area that you could tighten down a little bit. But what we're really talking about today is this, making room in our budgets to help people. That's exactly what that first church, what they were doing. Look at verses 34 and 35. It says, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Let me make sure we're clear here. This first century church wasn't keeping a hope chest for the future. They weren't storing up their money, putting it under the mattress, maybe for a rainy day that was coming along. They weren't hanging on to their personal property at all. Church, what were they doing? I think it's clear here. They were liquidating. They were getting rid of it, getting rid of all of it, letting go of everything in their life so that they could demonstrate love for their church and for God's people. Now, before you all go, go on thinking that, hey, man, I'm just crazy or something, and run around town, go wherever you're going today, and just go around saying, hey, well, Pastor Brett, he was up there today, and he was telling us, hey, we need to sell everything that we have, our houses and everything else, and then, well, well, I guess what we'll do is we'll all just have to move into the fellowship hall of the church down there, and we'll just live as one big happy family. Eh, not what I'm talking about, because I'm not so sure I want to see some of you first thing in the morning, if you know what I'm talking about. But listen, I'm simply suggesting that. If our lifestyles, mine included here, if it keeps us from being generous with the people around us, it's time to tighten the belt, just the same as they did in that early church. Maybe you need a less expensive car, or perhaps it's time maybe to drop the cable, the satellite television, maybe it's time to downsize the data plan, or maybe you just need to live on some kind of budget so you can meet the needs of the people when they are presented to you. What might these needs be? How about a single mom who has to carpool to work because her car's broken down? Or maybe she has no money to even put gas in the tank to get to work. Maybe it's the family whose dad lost a job and now they might lose their home because of that. Maybe it's the retiree who has to choose between this prescription and this prescription because she can't afford all of them because they're so expensive. Maybe it's the promising college student who may have to drop out of school for a lack of funds. Maybe it's that young couple, newly married, fresh out of college, unable to find suitable work. Their college loans, they're now coming due, and it's weighing on them because it's hard to pay the bills. See, I'm going to tell you, friends, we're not talking about homeless folks, people on the street corner, those that are transients that are just flowing through town. I mean, sure, understand, we need to help them too. But the way that we communicate love for this church, Christ Church right here, is by making sure that we aren't neglecting the needs of one another, of those that we call our family. And here's a hard statement to say. The only way we can do this is if we know those needs, if we know what they are. Don't misunderstand, okay? I'm not saying that it's your responsibility to go around and say, well, did you know I'm having trouble? Did you know I'm having trouble? Did you know? Did you know? That's not your responsibility. We don't want you to go around telling everybody, hey, man, I'm struggling. I'm... That's not what we want you to do. But here's what we really need to do. We really need to be able to peer past that fence that we've been talking about. Right? We really need to let somebody come live in our backyard with us so that they can experience life with us and understand what we're going through in our life. You see, when we're finally able to peer past that fence, ready to act, and we can act on what we see happening in your life. And we can do that only because we've tightened our belt around our budget. Friends, it's only after you've loosened your grip and you've tightened your belt. That's when you can finally have this opportunity, this wonderful opportunity that God gives us to under number three, give it all away. You get to give it away. 
Now, once that first church, once it ditched its mine, mine, mine mentality, no one, what did it say? No one ever had a need in that church. Their needs were always met. In fact, they were fervently met. Look how it's put in verses 33 and 34. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. What was the result of their generosity? What did it tell us in verse 33 right there? What was it? It was a testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Why did people know the truth about Jesus? It was because the apostles, because that first century church, because they were busy giving their money and their possessions to one another. It wasn't like you got a commission to service project over here. So this is a special need. So you come and you start giving here and we'll do the special service project. It wasn't getting involved in a homeless shelter somewhere. It wasn't creating a missions program for us to give to. It was what? It was one another. It was the people. It was the church they were giving to. The testimony was present only because they were loving one another. I know what some of you are thinking. This is just an awkward message. Isn't it? I mean, it is an awkward message. Honestly, it's a very awkward message. We spent centuries of teaching trying to say, okay, we need to go outside this church, go beyond these four walls to impact the community, to become more than just this holy huddle that's gathered here on Sunday morning, maybe this spiritual country club that people have going on. Now we look at this passage, and now all of a sudden it feels like you're saying, we got it wrong. Did we get it wrong? But hold on, that's not what I'm saying at all, okay? I think what this passage is illustrating here is simply this. In our passion and our fervor to reach out beyond our walls, we must never forget that we also need to reach within those walls as well. Friends, we are family. We're the family of God. We're his children. And we have needs that are represented right now, right here in this room, this very second, that none of us, none of us knows a thing about. Maybe you finally recognize that you're in one of these situations just a few moments ago when I was going through that list as I was illustrating. Maybe it's the needs of another that just popped into your mind saying, I know that this person has this need. Friends, we must be loving our church. These people, this, our church. When we love our church, this church, then we see those needs. We'll see those needs. We'll be able to get in the backyard. We'll be able to live life in the dirty parts of their life and understand where those needs are. And then like that first church, we must be willing to sacrifice it all to meet those needs. Now, we're going to do something courageous. No, I'm going to say, we're going to do something crazy this morning. It's so crazy, I know that some of you won't do it. You just don't have the love of the church in you. But for others of you, I know you do. So here's what we're going to do. I've got this trunk over here, right? You've been wondering what was in it. Nothing, except for this right now. And I'll get to that in just a little bit. It's empty right now. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm probably not going to get rid of my car. Because you see, I need my car to get me back and forth to work to earn money to pay my bills. But in my wallet right now is, well, it's not really important how much it is. But all I can tell you is it represents everything that is in my wallet right now. Crazy thought. God thinking here, okay? God thinking. What if? What if we, what if each of us here this morning, what if each one of us did this? What if each one of us reached into our wallets, into our purses, and whatever we have in there right now, at this moment, what if we pull it out? And what if we do this? We gave it to the needs of the church. Now, when I say the needs of the church, I'm not talking to meet the bills. I'm not talking to pay the electric or whatever bills of the church. What I'm talking about is the needs of the people in the church. 
Now that money. Maybe for you, maybe that money represents your money that you set aside. You say, okay, I'm going to go out to lunch after church. And that was your money to go out for lunch. Maybe it's the money you set aside to buy coffee when you go to work on Monday morning or all week. And if you did it for all week, I know that's a bunch of money because coffee is expensive. Maybe it's just the change that you had left over from a recent trip to the grocery store. But whatever it is, it's all that you have at this moment, right? And what if? What if we get God-inspired crazy right now? Each and every one of us. And just like that first church. What if we brought it, brought it down here and we placed it in that treasure box right there? Just symbolic of placing it at the feet of the disciples. And then what if? What if we ask God to bless the special offering that we're going to take. And that he would use it to communicate love to his church. Not the building the church. The people the church. And what if? As it says in verse 35. The money that ends up in this box is distributed to each as they had need. Friends, I'm just asking you to simply pray. Pray about it. Pray to see if it might be one time, a time when you could give part of everything to love someone. Perhaps maybe they're sitting next to you this morning. Maybe they're in front of you. Maybe they're behind you. Maybe they're across the aisle from you. They come here every Sunday. Can you give something to help them out? Can you do it? Do you love the church? Because remember, what do we say? Loving the church means what? Loving the people. Don't be a Grinch like we talked about last week. That's not a God-honoring mentality. Be like that early church, that church that cared about the people, about the church. Not like Ananias and Sapphira who didn't give it all and therefore, what happened? They lost it all. I'm going to ask Colin to come up here and strum for us for just a few minutes. And we're going to pause here for a short time. And I'm going to sit down back here. And as he strums, I want you to pray about it and give what you feel God's calling you to give to the needs of the church, his people. God calls you to give. Come. Put it at the feet of the disciples. Give so that others, others' needs can be met. How much do you love the church? Christ church. Love his people. Let's show these people here that we sit beside each and every day how much we love them, how much we care about them, how much we want to meet those needs. Lord, may we not have that mind, mind, mind mentality. Help us see past the fences, to see the needs in each other's lives. Help us understand the needs that are there. I'm going to pause for a few more moments. If the Lord's speaking to you about giving, now's the time to come. Now's the time to Help support his people. Those that are having challenges because sometimes life gets hard. And our testimony that we give to those outside these walls is the testimony of the love that we have for each other. It's only after we have that love for each other that we can truly share and show that love to the world around us.
you, Colin. I'm going to pray real quickly for what you guys have given. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for those that sacrificed. Maybe it was some of what they have. Maybe, it was all, maybe it's all that they could afford to give to the church, to your people right now. But whatever it is, Lord, we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that it will be used for your glory, for the glory of your people, for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ outside the walls of this church. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, for those wondering, you know, this guy up here, this dude's crazy this morning. He's just off the deep end. I mean, understand, this isn't how we would normally handle this type of offering. And I'm going to suspect even in that first church, they were probably a little bit more intentional on how they distributed the money. But here's the thing we're going to do today. Later on, when they come to take the offering, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that box. And inside of it is a journal. And I'm going to place that box back there in one of those tables as you leave today. If you have a need, that box is open to you. We're not going to monitor it. We're not going to hide it from anybody. And what I want you to do is, in this journal, what I want you to do, write in here about how God, through this church, through his people, has blessed you and met your need. You don't have to put your name in there. You don't have to put the amount of money you took. Just tell how God has blessed you through this blessing box that we have here. Now, I'm going to say I'm kind of realistic, and I know it's quite possible that this box might empty before the needs run out. What then? Church, here's what we got to understand. God wants us to meet the needs of people. We need to share our needs as generously as we share our possessions. So what I want you to do is if you have a need that isn't met, write it in that journal with expectation, being confident that God wants to meet your need. Again, you don't have to put your name down there. Just write in there the need that you have, and let's expect God to meet that need. Maybe this week, maybe you need to become vulnerable in our small group and you need to share your need because God's telling you to share it so that we can know what that need is and meet it. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you, to pray that God would intervene on your behalf and the needs that you have. And friends, we'll do that with you. Just about anybody in here would pray with you over those needs. But understand, this exercise, it is as much about making sure that everyone's needs are met as it is about making sure that we're willing, you and I, that we're willing to share our needs, the needs that we have with each other. Friends, this is a hard one. Loosening your grip, giving to the needs, loving the church, loving the people. It's knocking down the fences that we've built around our lives. It's releasing our grip. It's tightening our belts, and it's giving it all away so that people outside of these walls can see the love of Christ through what we do for each other. Friends, I feel so blessed to be part of a church that cares for each other so much. All I can say is praise God for First Baptist Church. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed and thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast and have a blessed day.